the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Welcome once again to the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. If you'd like to dial in, those lines are available for you, and we'd love to hear from you today to talk to our financial and retirement expert here in studio, Larry Rosenthal. Good morning, sir. Well, good morning, Chris, and how are you today? So far, so good. I've kind of had a bittersweet week, actually. Um, you know, the uh, the sadness, of course, of Santa Fe that we're all kind of torn up about. Our hearts go out to the family of those uh, who lost, you know, members of their their family to that yeah, it's tragedy. Just it's just absolutely horrible. Unthinkable. And I hope that it, one day we'll figure out a way to stop this stuff. But anyway, that, that's the... That is the bitter side of things this week. But then on the on the lighter side of things, of course, Meghan Markle and Prince Harry got married this morning. I know you got up early to watch that, didn't you, Larry? <laughs> I did see some of it, yes. Of course. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I did. To, My wife was cluing me in on it all. Yeah, well, you know, the weddings and all that get all exciting. And they got new names now, you know. They've got the Prince and the uh, uh, Duchess of, um, I'm sorry, the Duke and Duchess of Suffolk. So I was thinking... You know, you're the king of making money sense. Could I, like, have a title now? Sure. You can be the Duke. I can be the Duke. How does that sound? I'm, I'm going with that. I'm happy with that. All right. Thank I'll you, just sir. refer to you. Why don't I just refer you to Sir? Sir. Wow. Sir Duke. Sir Duke. That sounds like a dog's name, I'm saying. But, you know. <laughs> you're but I'll, funny, go with, I'll go with it. You're funny. Very good. Very good. So, well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal show here on this um, kind of damp weekend, I would say, a little bit, huh? When is the rain going to stop? Oh, no. Tired of it a little bit. I like. To, I know we need it, but I'm, I'd like to have some nice weather. I don't know if we need it as this much anymore. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. We've got grass issues growing. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting. Are anyway, they going to play ball today? You think? I think so. I think the Nats are going to do a doubleheader today. Is what it what it looks like it's scheduled to do. Well, we'll see. Yeah, we'll have to see. So anyway, again, welcome to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal's show here. I'd like to start the show off each week with kind of what happened in the markets, the economy. And, you know, the markets just sort of drifted a little sideways this week, trading on interest rate concerns and, again, on tariff talks and, and trade and things like that, which is, you know, it's, it's a lot of a lot of fiscal issues. And, and uh, you know, again, it's same story, different week. Markets need clarity of direction. We should get that here in the, in the coming weeks, next several weeks or so, once the tariff talk is is settled out, and and different deals are are cut and stuff like that. But you know the underpinnings of the economy 
uh, are very, very strong. I had a, a, a meeting this, this past week with some in, uh, investment people from a major mutual fund uh, company. And, and you know, uh, again, they're talking about the economy is pretty strong. Looks like it's going to continue to grow. Uh, the markets are needing to find an excuse to either either go down or go up, and and they're finding more and more reasons to go up. They just need some clarity of direction from tariffs and 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 trade and and those types of things coming soon. So, stay tight. Let's work our way through through uh, the next several weeks and see how it all plays out. You know, one of the things is is interesting here, Chris. There's all I get all kinds of stats and and statistics each week that come across my desk and from time to time I bring them in and I talk about them on the show or I talk about them with clients or in our educational seminars or whatnot and only 37 percent this is uh, by the Gallup poll here only 37 percent of American adults under age 35 own any types of stock today and that's down from 55 percent in 2002 so so why is it now that now, younger people are not investing in the marketplace. Kind of an interesting thing. Probably scared. And they, they are scared. Their literature goes on talking about they're nervous. They don't understand it. And so I thought, you know what, let's just break down some of this stuff. And, and for people listening, we, we need to understand that there's basically two, two sides to money here. There's, there's what we're going to call loanership dollars and what we're going to call ownership dollars, okay? And loanership dollars is when you place something on deposit, like you put money into a bank. You're placing it on deposit. Or you're, you're lending money to, a, to the government or to a business by purchasing a bond, okay? So, so let's suppose you give the government or, or XYZ company, let's say, $10,000, and in turn, they're going to give you, let's say, 5% interest on a bond, and then after X number of years, they pay you back your, your principal of $10,000 in this example, and you've made your interest. That's lending them money, basically. That's loanership dollars. Historically, loanership dollars earn you know less than 6 7% annually. And same in the bank accounts, whereas ownership dollars, when you purchase a stock or an equity position, you tend to get a little bit higher rate of return. So at the end of the day, you're going to need to have money in different positions or different places in your life. You're going to need to have some money in the bank. You're going to need to have some money that are in loanership positions or in bonds. You're also going to need to have some money in equity positions, stocks. And when you take a look at it all, you need to figure out how to make a rate of return that, that gives you um, what is your rate of return after taxes, what is your rate of return after taxes and inflation, what is your rate of return after taxes, inflation, and investment fees, because that's the dollar you get to take to the grocery store and purchase goods and services with. And when you sit down and you take a look at the history of what stocks provide as far as a return goes versus bonds versus cash or bank accounts, You've got to sort of balance it all out into your portfolio to make sure that you're getting an adequate rate of return, usually 7 or 8%, in order to, to net a positive rate of return compounding interest over time when you, when you look at all this stuff. And by seeing this statistic here that only 37% of people age 35 or under own stocks today, they're missing a tremendous opportunity down the road because the, the best holding period in, in stocks is – forever really if you stop and really break it down 
every time the market has pulled back, it's re-reached new highs again on the other side of the pullback. So the question then becomes, well, you know, what type of, of stocks do we want to have? Do we want to have stocks that are, that are very volatile, that go up and down all the time? Or do we want to have stocks that are sort of more, more steady eddy type of stocks, okay? So from that standpoint, you're going to probably end up with a combination of different ones, right, Chris? Some stocks are going to bounce around a little bit more than others will bounce around. And it, it, it all boils down to building out the portfolio, and, and we're going to talk about that today. Some, some, we're going to break down the difference between active and passive management today on, on the show. I have so. to ask you, though, Larry, is some of this the instant gratification uh, generation where, you know, they, the reason they don't necessarily invest in stocks is because you don't see a return right away sometimes. And you need to kind of wait and be patient. And like you say all the time, it's time in the market. It is time in the market. It's not timing. It's time in the market. There's no doubt about that. And, and, and yes, there is. There is uh, I was also reading this past week about more and more people are, are foregoing the opportunity to put money into their 401k plans. And the reason why is they don't want to tie the money up until they're 59 and a half. They would rather have access to the money along the way during life. And it, it, it's it's going to play out down the road where, you know, you're going to look back in the rearview mirror and go, man, we missed a lot of years of compound growth, tax-deferred growth opportunities as well. So it's important that we start talking to, you know, our younger adult kids about the the merits of really saving these dollars uh, if, if you for knew, ourselves down the road. If you knew then what you know now, right? Yeah, there you go. That's exactly right. I think that's a Bob Seger song. If I didn't know now what I didn't know then or something like that. Something like that, yeah. Anyway, so, hey, let's open up the phone lines here on this rainy Saturday weekend here in D.C. Give us a call at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. You're listening to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. Back in a moment. to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. ever wanted to be part of something big? Nonprofit organization called Stars Children Africa. Do you want to be a part of something that changes a child's life? Orphans who are high school age who would not have a chance to get education otherwise? Now you can be part of something that brings hope. What we do is we actually pay for the school fees. For about the cost of a new suit, you can change an orphan's future for a whole year. We pay for the school fees, and that averages around $500 to $550 a year total. That means food, lodging, the teaching, the education part, the, the uniform, that whole thing. Call now, 703-201-2494, or go to starschildrenafrica.org. For a dollar and a half a day, one child would be educated for that year in high school. 703 201 2494. Call right now. For $500 a year, you can change an orphan's life. 703 201 2494. (laughs) 
You are listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. If you'd like to dial in, please do so. We'd love to talk to you, 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE123, to talk to the king. I'll just be the Duke today here in the studios with, well, here on WAVA. Larry, I guess I guess call you Larry. I mean, it's, you're, you're too humble to be called king. <laughs> Chris, you're funny, man. Uh, you know, I guess I can't wait for this wedding weekend to be over, right? That's right. That's so we right. go back to our normal, sta- our normal status. Yeah, our normal status, yeah. There you go. Just a couple of guys. Yeah, yeah. There you Just go. those so, guys. Yep, yep. So you know, we want to break down. I, 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 I mentioned a few moments ago. I want to sort of talk about the difference between active management and passive management. It's something that that people people own in their portfolios. They're, they own it in their four hundred one ks. They own it outside their retirement plans. They own it all over the place. They don't understand it, how it works. What is the difference between active and passive? What's better to have? What's cheaper to have? What is the best risk-adjusted returns to have, passive or, or, or active management? You know, and so let's sort of break it down a little bit. Um, and passive management is on the side of just saying, you know what, I'm just going to buy the index. And there's nothing wrong with just buying the index. One of the problems is is now there's over 6,000 different indices out there. It's crazy. The most popular ones are the S&P 500, the Russell 2000, the NASDAQ, you know, those types of indexes. So, so you have to take a look at how the index is actually made up in the fund or the ETF. Is it market cap weighted? Is it equally weighted? Is it based off of, you know, Book value, price to earnings, price to book. What, what? How is it? How is it uh, built inside of there? Uh, most people think, well, if I'm going to buy a passive invested investment like maybe the S and P 500 in an ETF, you're going to get, you know, 500 different stocks equally spread around. Well, that not, might not be the, be the case because the ETF may build it from a market cap weight, which is the largest company in the S&P 500, gets most of the money. So the triangle gets kind of tight up at the top if you're doing a market cap weight, right? Um, versus if you go to the other side of the spectrum and we talk about active management, <clears throat> let's suppose the active management says, you know, we're going to um, buy stocks in the S&P 500 – and but they're going to break it down in in lots of different ways. You can break it down to, you know, taking a look at at a dividend screen, which stocks are paying the most dividends. Those are the ones that they want to wait towards, or which stocks have had the most dividend increases over the last you know eight quarters. Those stocks they may want to lean more on, or you may take a look at historical corporate earnings. Whereas the, the fund manager goes, you know, we like, you know, there's, there's, there might be 45 different ways to evaluate a stock. And they might say, you know, we're going to take the first 10 of these and put our weighting in that. They might want to look at the income statement and find out, you know, which companies have the highest ROI, return on investment. They might want to weight it that way. They might want to say, you know, which companies have the best uh debt-to-equity ratios on the balance sheet, or which companies have had the best surprise earnings growth over the last eight quarters. They could weight it that way. Whereas on active management, you're going to get more, you're going to get a little bit more tactical scenarios in there. So the question comes down to what's, what's 
what has won in the past, passive management or active management? And the answer is both. You know, 2017, active management won. It, it, it beat passive management, whereas in the past, other years, sometimes passive management wins. You have to take a look at it, too, is, is the active management, which tends to be slightly higher in a mutual fund or ETF or a mutual fund sometimes, uh, are you getting rewarded for that active management? Uh, you know, so, so there's lots of things to consider in looking at how you're going to make your investments. Uh, when when it comes to being passive and active, and how much of this is talent in the manager of that stuff? It's a tremendous amount of talent. Absolutely, Chris. It's a tremendous amount of talent in, in in it. That's why you you will see certain you know you'll see certain fund managers where where they have big mutual funds out there because a lot of people follow this this fund manager or that fund manager in in it all. And and you take a look at you know what is what is the the ability of the fund manager to drive a better rate of return than the than the uh, than the index it's comparing against. So researching that fund manager is quite important. Then it is. A lot of people overlook that, and they'll look at the fund manager, fund management team. How have they performed? And in different different areas too. You know, we're we're just moving into now. When you when you take a look at the economy that we're in now, and the markets, and the stage of this market cycle that we're in now. We are going through a, a change. We are going through a change right now, as subtle as it is, but the spot in the market cycle that we're in now is changing <clears throat> because for the first time since 2008, we're seeing inflation actually come into the scenario, which, which is something that we've all wanted. And the reason why it's coming in is because wages are starting, going, starting to go up, and we all want everybody's wages to go up, right? But at the same time, we have to take a look at what do corporate earnings do when inflation goes is between zero and two percent? What do corporate earnings do when inflation is between two and four percent? And what do corporate earnings do when inflation is above four percent? Well, clearly, right? clearly they're going to go down as inflation goes up, right? You would think so. That's correct. Okay. And so, how does that enable a a passive managed position? to react. It can't. How does that enable an active manager to react? They can. So so maybe there's a time for both types of investment strategies is what my point is. Okay. Personally, I like them both. I carry both of them. Uh, we have them both in our, in, our, in our client portfolios. Sometimes we'll slant more towards passive management. Sometimes we'll slant more towards active management when dealing with a mutual fund. Well, so doesn't it, passive it, management have some sort of a computer model that might manage a, or put some sort of a, a tag for inflation or anything like that? Well, see, what you're talking about there now is, is what we would call active beta in a, in a uh, ETF. So, so to break that down, some do, some don't. Uh, it's good to know what you own, as you always say. That's exactly right, Chris. You have to understand how do, you know, how do things work and, and – one of the best ways to look at it is to go back in time and look at different interest rates, look at different stages of different cycles in the markets, look at good times and bad times, and see how these different things reacted and 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 uh, you know performed for yourself. Because at the end of the day, you're going to win by not losing. You're going to 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 win by not losing as much when the markets drop. 
you're going to win by staying through the downturn. You know, the average downturn is 16 months, okay? And, and when you go through a downturn like that, can you stay? What are, you, what are your risks of staying? What are your risks of getting out and then not getting back in? Most people, I've got a graph here that, that just shows, I wish I could show everybody this. I wish I was on TV right now to show everybody this, of, of how much money flies into the market when the market's up versus how much money comes out of the market when the market's down. And we should be doing the exact opposite of all that. We all know buy low, sell high, but it's a very challenging emotional thing to, to really be able to do that. So... So, you know, again, take a look at what's inside your investments in your 401k plans, in your government, well, in the government TSP, you only have passive investments there. Uh, but in your 401k plans, you, ha you probably have both, passive and active. Obviously, outside of your retirement plans, you can have the choice of, of both. And there's lots of merit to both of them, both sides of the money management spectrum when it comes to that. Personally, again, I like them both. I see a need for passive and need for active when it when it boils all down to it. Tell me again why you would want a passive investment. Is that just when the, the inflation is low? No, it has nothing to do with when inflation's low, high, or, or medium, Chris. It has everything to do with, with, with uh, you being able to just say, hey, you know what? I like this sector. Uh, I'm just going to go buy this sector right gotcha. here, and I'm going to get it passively, and I'm going to hold on to it until I feel that I need to change out of that sector. Gotcha. You know, that, that, that's all. Like if you like technology, hey, let's just go get a slice of technology. It's very inexpensive. Then you're going to have to break it down and say, well, how are they buying the tech sector? Are they buying it market cap weighted, even weighted? What's the scenario there? Is it active beta? That type of stuff. Then know what you own. Know what, what know what's in, inside of that. Right, let's go ahead and welcome Greg on the line. Good morning, Greg. How are you this morning? How can I, I have help a you, question sir? Uh, about uh, RMBs, required minimum distributions. Yes. Number one, what's the benefit of waiting to 70 and a half um, to um, take out your required minimum distribution? Oh, and second, part two of the question is, can you go with the mechanics of calculating just, just, just go over the mechanics of the uh, calculating what that uh, minimum distribution would be. Sure. So first of all, let's take the first one first. What are the advantages of waiting? Most people, when they wait to seventy and a half to take their required minimum distribution, it's because they don't need the money. So, so if you don't need the money. Then, then just let it sit there and continue to grow and incubate and grow tax-deferred for you uh, until 70 and a half. Now, when you reach 70 and a half, Greg, the required minimum distribution states that you, you actually have until April 1st of the year following you turn 70 and a half if you want to delay the first year, but then you have to take two the second year. But there's a schedule. And the first year at 70 and a half is 27.4. What that means is you take the, the, you take the number 27.4 and divide it into your prior year's December 31st account balance. And that's the amount of money that you have to pull out the first year. It ends up being about 3.6% you have to pull out each year. And each year that goes up a little bit. And the reason why is because... The IRS has recognized that for many, many years, decades, they have allowed us to have 
tax-deductible contributions into a retirement plan. They've allowed it, while it's in the plan, to grow tax-deferred, but at some point they want to get their tax money out. So they put this required distribution scenario in place so, you have, so you're forced to pull the money out. Now, if you decide not to take the money out, then you have to, you have to pay a 50% tax penalty on the amount of money you should have pulled out plus taxes on top of it. So it's very expensive not to pull the money out. But that's the, the reasons why we have that there. Does that make sense? Okay. But if you want, I can send you the, the, the chart out that shows the, the schedule for it, or you can just Google it up. It's, 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 it's out there on the Internet very easy. If, if I don't need the money, then what's the benefit of waiting until 70 and a half is the, is, uh, uh, is the require or the interest rate, I mean the uh, taxable amount going to be less when I go, if I go get to 70 and a half? Or if, if, if I'm, I'm six, I'll be 66 in, in two months, would it be so much less at 70 and a half? No, the the taxable rate that you're going to pay is going to be based off of your ordinary income tax brackets. So if you're in a 24% tax bracket or a 28% tax bracket or whatever tax bracket you're in, when you're pulling this money out, that's the tax you're going to pay on it. Okay. Now, okay, so there's no some benefit some to wait to sell and a half then. It 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 could very well be, but here's something that's pretty interesting right now as well. There's, there's probably a good chance, and I don't know the history of your, your taxes. I'd have to get out your, your, the history of, of your last several years' tax returns. But with the tax rates going down now, there's a good chance that at some point in the past, you put money into your retirement plan in a higher tax bracket and received a higher tax deduction than if you pulled it out today because taxes have gone down a little bit today. So we're, we would have to get out your tax return to see if maybe it might be better for you to start taking money out today. But then the argument would be, well, wait, now you're paying an early, voluntary, unnecessary tax when you could still have tax-deferred growth growing for you. So, so it's kind of an interesting scenario right there to take a look at. And another thing, too, Greg, is if you don't feel that you need the money down the road, is you can look to convert it to a Roth IRA as well or convert portions of it to a Roth that way, if you don't need the money, instead of passing on taxable money to your heirs, you'd be passing on, passing on tax-free money to your heirs. Uh, okay. And you you well, would just I'm say, hey, look, I'm just going to pay the tax today. We didn't, my wife and I, we didn't have kids. So basically, okay. I'm saying, why wait um, till 70 and a half? Um, why not just take the money out, do some things with it, and or invest it? And well, it's well, it's in it's invested now, but you do have the choice to pull the money out before seventy and a half and enjoy it. Absolutely, you do. You don't have to wait. Right. All right. Well, thanks for the answers. You're welcome. Absolutely. If you based if, on that, or based on that. Good. If you like, I can uh, have you get on hold, and I'll send you out the the you know the rules around the seventy and a half distribution stuff if you want. All right. Thanks. Yep, let me place you on hold. Appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123, 855-767. We're going to be back in a moment with more of your Making Money Sense. You are 
are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Housing prices and interest rates have started to move up. This may be your last chance to take advantage of low rates and housing bargains. If you're considering purchasing a home within the next year, you need to call Troy Turow at McLean Mortgage First to take advantage of his Loan First program. This can give you a winning bid over the competition, even when you come up against cash offers. The Loan First program will have you fully pre-approved so that you understand all aspects of your loan before you start looking for your dream home. Buy in confidence when you have your Loan First certificate, which shows the seller your loan is already pre-approved and they can avoid any unnecessary negative surprises at settlement. Troy's been helping homeowners for over 20 years in the D.C. metro area, and he and his team are ready to help you. Call him today at 571-490-7117. That's 571-490-7117 for your loan first pre-approved certificate, 571-490-7117, or simply visit his website at anyhomeloans.com. Remember, you want control when you're making an offer on a home. Get your loan first certificate. Call Troy Turow at McLean Mortgage, 571-490-7117. Troy Turow and McLean Mortgage Corporations, NMLS number 5618 and 99665. You're listening to The Larry Rosenthal Show. Give us a ring this morning and talk to Larry Rosenthal live here in studio at 855-767-3123. 855-ROSE-123. Larry? Sure, Chris. Psalms 24-1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. So all this money talk that we're talking about, Chris, guess whose it is? Oh, I can really not have to guess. It is definitely a God's. Yep, yep that's definitely right. Definitely We need to be good stewards with it and plan accordingly. So, Amen. You know, getting back to breaking down this stuff, the difference between passive and active, just before we, we, we took a break there. Again, I like them both. There's, there's value to have both types of management strategies in your portfolio uh, pretty much at all times. I've never seen a time when you just want one or the other, really. So, so learn about that, understand about that. If you want to figure out how you ha- if you have passive or active in your portfolio, it's very easy. You can you can send in a copy of your of your statements if you wanted to. We'll we'll break it down for you and and take a good look at it. Or you can just simply go online and 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 investigate. You know, call the fund companies, call the ETF manufacturers, whoever it may be, and and then you can sort of go from there. So, uh, it's a, it's a really important to 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 get a good understanding of how they both work w- with it all that rolls into you know how does the portfolio get diversified how do investments get diversified what's the difference between uh your your, your what's the correlation and portfolio performance when everything comes down, you know, we, we want to also break this down further to asset allocation and correlation. There's two different rules here, two different things. Obviously, asset allocation refers to what well, kind of like how an investor's portfolio is divided up amongst different asset classes, uh, large company stocks, small company stocks, international, things like that. And they tend to perform differently under different market conditions. You, you could actually have small company stocks going up while large company stocks are going down. Uh, an appropriate mix of investments here, you know, will typically depend on, on somebody's age, 
their risk tolerance, their their liquidity needs, tax scenario, financial goals, and and, and stuff like that. So. Uh, when, when you you have that on one side of the conversation, then the other side of the conversation is is correlation. Is how do different investments work with each other, going up and down? Okay, um, the the concept of of correlation basically play, plays a role in the construction of of a portfolio as as well. And and when you when you stop and you you break it down here. Um, the correlation is sort of a statistical measure, again, of how two different investments react. Either they go up and down together or one's going up and one's going down. So you have it from the standpoint of asset allocation and the, the type of investment class that it may actually be in. You know, For example, bonds will correlate differently a lot of times than stocks you know, uh, when, when, when they move up and down together. So you you jot that down on on taking a look at your investments as well and all this sort of ties into active management passive management and how things go up and down in your investments as well i had somebody recently asking me you know hey when i when i see the dow going up and down my investments aren't really tracking that and i said well that's a good thing <laughs> okay you know so so i was explaining to them you know, how, how when you look at your portfolio and you might have small company stocks in there um, versus the Dow stocks, which are the largest 30 stocks in the country, they're, they're two different scenarios. And they, they finally understood, well, okay, so when you're looking at, at the, the television and you see, you know, what did the market do today? Well, the market was up 200 points. They're usually talking about the Dow, right? And and that's just the thirty largest stocks in the in the country, so so if you have a mid cap fund or a small cap fund, you might not even have any exposure to the Dow that day. You could actually have gone down that day while the Dow went up, or vice versa. So understand how each one plays a role into your ultimate into your portfolio, and ultimately what index that tracks against as well. So kind of a lot of lot of a uh, lot of lot of numbers there thrown out, a lot of concepts and things. But at the end of the day, you want to make sure that your your investments will react differently in different market scenarios, and and as market scenarios tend to um, expose themselves as to how they're changing and what they're doing and which directions they're going, then you may want to slant or lean in other in other areas that way as well. So, so you're just watching like news or you're, you're trying to figure out where certain things are going? How do you do that? Well, to figure out where certain things are going, Chris, you, you, you know, it's sort of reading the tea leaves. Like right now, if, if you stop and you take a look at the recovery we've been in from 2007 through now, okay, have there been any changes? And and the answer is yes. This past February, just a few months ago, we've seen a very big change. It came on very subtly, but it's a big change, and that is wages rising. We're getting inflation into the system now. Do you think that the Federal Reserve is going to get it right in raising their interest rates? I, I think that they have a better shot at it now than they did 10 years ago, for sure. But at the same time, they're going to continue to raise interest rates because one of their mandates is price stability, and they don't want us to get caught up in a lot of inflation, right? So, so as they continue to raise interest rates, that's going to have a direct effect 
on bonds. It's going to have a direct effect on certain types of stocks. There would be certain types of stocks right now. You know, the, the, the market's basically flat for the year. It might be up a point or so right now. I actually forgot to look today. Uh, but but uh, there are stocks now that, that, are, that are negative for the year. Uh, because they don't do well in rising interest rate environments. On the other hand, there are stocks that are that are they're gamers right now. They're doing well in rising interest rate environments. So so stop and look at what's happening in in the shift, the under the underpinnings of the of the economy, monetary policy. The economy is still growing. The economy is very robust, and it's probably going to continue to grow. Uh, you know, with with all the the programs that are in place and, and, and corporate earnings growing and things like that. If we knew the algorithm that the Fed uses, we'd be in good shape, wouldn't we? Well, we there's really no algorithm that the Fed uses. The Fed is the Fed is looking daily at all the different reports. They're looking at hourly, hourly uh, hours worked. Uh, they're looking at the hourly wages. They're looking at uh, net income from, from uh, uh, you know, Working, they're looking at uh, expenditures. They're looking at housing starts. They're looking at ISM manufacturing numbers. They're These are what you call CPI. leading indicators, right? Well, there's a list of ten economic leading indicators. Yes, there is, and and they're looking at they're looking at all these reports that come out every day from Bureau of Labor Statistics, uh, jobs numbers, employment numbers, wages, housing starts, um, housing permits. They're looking at housing inventory. They're looking at you know. Um, uh, PPI, producer price index, you know, they're looking at all these reports that come out every single day to gauge the breadth of where the economy is, what part of the economy has weaknesses, what part of the economy has strengths. All that plays into figuring out where the economy is. And then you look at the art of it all of saying, okay, well, if I see all this type of, of information coming out this way, it leads me to believe that the economy is going to do X, Y, and Z. So then you might want to move your money towards X, Y, and Z and away from A, B, and C. And that's where you, you look at doing rebalances or, or shifting here or there. You know, this year, already this year, we've, we've made two changes uh, across our, our, our client database uh, in, 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 the, in the positions that, that uh, they're invested in simply because of some changes in, in, in things that that's, that's been going on. So, you know, that that's ultimately boils down to what is – here's the question, and, and here's the point that we want to we want to teach people. What is your buy and sell decision on certain things? You know, how how do you have your investments in, in the – you know, in your portfolios, and what are you looking at to make your buy and sell decisions or your rebalancing decisions? Give us a ring. Let's talk about it. 855-ROSE-123, 855-ROSE-123. Go ahead and give us a call. Let's talk about – how you go about looking to make your buy and sell decisions. 855-767-3123. You're listening to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Remember those kids that you keep your kids away from? Those kids that society doesn't seem to know what to do with? That kid you saw on the street corner last week. 
Remember that kid that, well, you feel sorry for. The dropout, the pregnant teen, the drug addict. Those are the kids that Youth for Tomorrow wants to reach. And Youth for Tomorrow has reached nearly 800 children since opening its doors in 1986. That's 800 young men and women helped to become responsible and effective members of society. The founder and chairman of Youth for Tomorrow, former Washington Redskins coach and current NASCAR team owner Joe Gibbs, says if we don't do what we can to influence our young people, there are plenty of others who will in the wrong direction. For more information about Youth for Tomorrow, call 703-368-7995 or go to youthfortomorrow.org. You can help turn a negative into a positive. Call 703-368-7995 or go to youthfortomorrow.org. For more information about how Larry and his team can help you, go to larryrosenthal.com. You're listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. And if you'd like to dial in, dial 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. If some folks calling in, and uh, you're welcome to join in, there are some lines available for you. Again, 855-ROSE-123. Larry. Sure, Chris. So I've, I've actually taught some seminar classes before on sort of how to read the tea leaves, take a look at what's going on in the economy, how you how you read it, how you, you pull it apart and, and stuff like that. And it's you know it's not for the faint of heart it's not for for everybody who who wants to learn that stuff because it's it's you know a lot of dry economic data and and uh you know those are the things that that you well, drive your decisions every day though i mean you when you're making your investments for your clients that's what drives it right that is a big part of it yes it it really is you know so uh you really have to understand what's happening in the economies and how things react and how things work uh, when 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 certain things change, you know, uh, and and take emotion out of a lot of it, so uh, definitely, um, so it's a lot of fun, you know. When 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 you when you boil it down and 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 break it all around, it's it's kind of interesting to see how how you know at different times different things. And and what's kind of interesting, one of the one of the major advantages major advantages that we have. Uh, being independent is the ability to pull in different companies, okay, different uh, mutual fund companies, different economists, and, and hear all their opinions all across the board. And it's very interesting. Like right now, probably uh, 70, 80 percent of all the comments that we get that we're getting from from different places are are pretty much the same. And and about maybe 20 or 30 percent are sort of outliers and saying, ah, you know what, we're, we're kind of viewing this this way. And I go, wow, that's kind of interesting, you know. So, uh, but it's it's kind of interesting to, to talk to all the different places. Let's welcome Michael on the line. Good morning, Michael. How are you this morning? I'm doing fine. How can I help you, sir? I have a question. Um, I want to invest, but I want to leave Wall Street out of it because – the brokers and the dealers that are interested in making commissions aren't looking out for the best interest of their clients. That's my feeling. And I want to know what to invest in that I can, like, be kind of safe from uh, the money grub in Wall Street, guys. So, Michael, so when you are working with a financial advisor, okay, you can ask him or her, how they are working are they working in your best interest with the fiduciary level type of an account or not if they're working with a fiduciary level type of an account then 
everything that they do has to be proven to be in your best interest. So you don't have to worry about that. Uh, on the other hand, there's no way to leave Wall Street out in order for you to get, and there's no way for me to leave Wall Street out in order for you to get money to the floor of an exchange to buy a bond, to buy a stock or something like that. There's going to be some type of a, a, a fee, some type of a transaction thing for you to pay to get your money invested. You know, you, you can't yeah, do it. I've done all that stuff. I've done the stocks and the bonds and everything. I've gotten rid of all my um, – everything that I have, I no longer have a broker or a dealer. I I privately own what I have. I, I don't have any more professionals that are dipping into my accounts every year. Okay. Well, then you just do it yourself. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, I mean – you know, What's I your mean, question? There for a while, everybody says go, go, go. I never go that direction, but I sure wish I, I had um, when it, you know, went up and down. My biggest thing is I buy things and I don't get rid of them. There's, you know, there's all different ways to to go about managing money, and and if you're just in a constant buy and hold, there's nothing wrong with it. If you like the stock at a hundred dollars a share, and it drops down to eighty dollars a share, you'd probably like it even more. You just got to hold through that period of time and maybe even buy more. So, you know, by doing it yourself, that's the least expensive way to go about doing it. It's, uh, it's interesting, too. You know, there's lots of things that an advisor from time to time can bring to the table to ask you about your financial planning, estate planning, tax scenarios, because there's a little bit more to it than just running the money on, uh, end of it all. But it seems to me that you've knocked out, you know, that end of it. So, so there's nothing wrong with the the uh, the the way you're doing it. So, appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Let's welcome Barbara on the line. Good morning, Barbara. How are you today? Good morning. I'm doing well. Thank you. Yep. How can I help you? Yeah, Larry. I wanted to get your thoughts on buying land as an investment, and how would a person go about doing that? You know, an average citizen. Purchasing sure. land, making sure they're getting something good, valuable. Yeah, so so there's there's lots of different places, obviously, to buy land, and and depending on what you want to try to do, you know, I would work with a realtor in in talking about it and find out what the county's um, uh, five year plan is for the piece of land that you're looking at. That can let you know if if you know what what's going to be developing around it or or, or things like that. So. It's just you know one of one of the problems with with uh, buying the land is you know is it's undeveloped so so you're not going to get as good a tax breaks as you would with developed property, um, but you know if you wanted to buy land say hey I want to build a home on it down the road and and go from there or if you say hey I want to buy land and hopefully it goes up in value and then I want to flip it and sell it somewhere down the road for a capital gain, two different ways to to go about looking at it. Okay, great. Thank you. You're welcome. I appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Let's welcome Robert on the line from uh, Maryland. Good morning, Robert. How are you? I'm, I'm, I'm fine, Larry. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. And, uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, one thing, a question that I have is uh, my wife and I, we own a couple of properties in D.C. One of them is worth uh, about 750000 The other one is worth about $1 mil and a quarter. And uh, I was wondering how we could, you know, eliminate the properties and, and, the, and the tax thing is the next 
biggest problem that we have. So both of these properties are rental properties? Yes. Well, one way that you can eliminate the tax scenario is to sell your current home right now, your primary residence, Uh and move into one of the rentals for two years. Because if you move into one of the rentals, make it your primary home, then you can move out of it and sell it as your primary home. And as long as you've lived in it, two of the last five years, then any capital gain, if you file married jointly on your tax return, any capital gain up to $500,000 is tax-free. Uh-huh. Okay. One of the uh, uh, buildings is a, is a unit building. It has more than one, one um, you know, it's a, it's a unit, yep. like an apartment building. Yep. So uh, would that be the same also? It would for a piece of it, and I would need to bring my CPA in to answer that specific question, okay? Um, okay. Yeah, I would have to refer you over to, to them to, to answer that specific question, and I can do that if you like. I just I don't know the answer off the top of my head to that as I'm more of a financial planner rather than a tax preparer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The, uh, the, the other uh, question that I had is that what is the um, – a capital gains tax. It, it, does it cap on a certain amount or what? It's twenty percent. You know, it's, it, it, it's mo- for most people, it's twenty percent capital gains uh, plus whatever the state is. Um, you know, so uh, you know, in Maryland, it's it's about twenty six percent. What about uh, the, you have you pay, you pay state and uh, federal, right? Yes. Is the same for both? No, the state is whatever the state tax is, which you know in Virginia is five, Maryland six, in in and the Fed is twenty. Okay, all right. I thank okay. you. Thank you for the call. I mean, absolutely. For answering my question. Yep, absolutely. Appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Give us a ring at eight five five Rose one two three. Hey, we're not too far off away from launching our new website, Chris. We're kind of very excited about it. It's going to be mobile compatible and all kinds of information is going to be available on it now. Looking forward to it. We are revamping the whole thing, putting up all kinds of new videos, libraries. It's going to be an educational hub for financial planning. Um, So we've we've, uh, spent a lot of development time into this and um, I was just doing some some uh, what do you call it? Reviews, audits of it, the, just the the other day. So things look pretty good. It's getting ready to launch here pretty soon. Uh, we're we're down to pictures and stuff like that now. So oh, the toughest <laughs> final ladies in the office. If you're going to take pictures of them, it may take a while. No, no, they're no good. disrespect. They it's just you know very very easy. Yeah, I don't have to worry about combing easy. my hair too much, but you know they no don't. no. <laughs> Am I in trouble now? I can't walk no, into the no, office. No. <laughs> you're fine. You're fine. So um, anyway, we're, we're, we just got a few minutes left in the show here. But, um, you know, uh, uh, again, we are breaking down portfolio construction today a little bit uh, as, as well as, um, you know, the difference between asset allocation, active management, passive management, and um, uh, uh, correlations. You know, what makes your – how investments go up and down differently – and a lot of questions, Chris, basically from you as to, you know, reading the tea leaves, how do you, how do you take a look at it? And, you know, if, if, if you want to get educated on, on knowing what's going on in the economy, and some people do and some people don't, 
You know, and it's it's interesting. We have clients all over the spectrum on this, all across the country, who just say, you know, I want to know as much as I possibly can, and others just say, nope, I don't want to know. You know, you do it. So so you know, uh, uh, again, if you want to know about what's happening in the economy, read about just the economy and take the personalities and the opinions away from it. Look at the actual reports that come out of Bureau of Labor Statistics every day. Those are the actual numbers. Then you formulate your own opinions might not necessarily listen to all the talking heads on TV about their opinions because the more opinionated you get it, the more things tend to slant away from how the actual numbers really look. At least they could at some some point. So kind of a question here towards the ending minutes. Um, what about just buying on the indexes of all these different uh, you know, things that we can buy? You know, nothing wrong with it, Chris. Yeah. Absolutely. That's that's a passive investment. There's nothing wrong. We have that in our portfolios. I own it personally. Okay. There's nothing wrong with that, as well as active management. Okay? Knowing what's in favor and what's out of favor is kind of important, I would think. It definitely is. And also, if you take a look right now at what's driving the markets, if you take a look at what's been driving the rate of return of the S&P and the Dow, it's technology. And when you go and you start unpacking all these different mutual funds, whether you've got a growth and income mutual fund, an aggressive growth fund, a, you know, whatever type of fund, you will find in there, in the top 15 holdings or so, it's a lot of the big tech names. So okay? buying the NASDAQ, for instance, would be so. So good. right now, behind this, my point is behind the scenes, tech is really driving everything. And if you look at the valuation of tech – in the S&P 500, oh. okay, the highest it's ever been in the dot-com bubble was 33% making up of the S&P. The lowest it's been is 12. Today it's at 24 and climbing. Oh, my. Okay, so behind the scenes there's a lot of stuff there. So if you want passive management and you're going to go out and buy different indices, if you buy something that's in tech like the NASDAQ and then you buy the S&P, behind the scenes you're getting a lot of the same stocks. Oh, so it's kind of nice to know. So, so yeah, so so that's what I'm saying is is take a look at that. I was in. Uh, we're, we're look. There's a ETF out there that has an equal sector weighting. It's new. Okay, it has a equal. It's mainly out because of these reasons. It's it's new, and it has an equal sector weighting so that it makes sure that it keeps the same all the sectors at the same levels oh, nice. so you don't get overweight in one area hence what's happening with that performance is as the market's pushing up it's not capturing all of the upside of it but on the other side when it goes down it's designed not to capture all the downside of it either so kind of an interesting way to still buy quote unquote passive management in the S&P but not be overweighted in any one sector. So it takes a lot it takes some of the risk off of it uh, with you, with your other investments because behind the scenes a lot of the stuff is is sort of being invested in in the tech side of stuff. So so that's again goes into knowing what you own and there you can get passive management Chris on that side of it and buy an index, but you're you're buying it and it's constructed a little bit differently than most of them out there. So again, know what you own, and it, it, it plays it plays an important role into uh, risk mitigation uh, of of all your investments and stuff. So.
Hey, well, for Bob in the back and Chris McKay, Duke Chris McKay, I should say this oh, week, wow. right? I feel, I feel special. There you go. Yeah, yeah. There you go. I'm Larry Rosenthal. Have a wonderful week. And for those of you that like to call my office during the week and ask more questions, feel free to do so. 855-ROSE-123. After we hang up, it flips over to our office 800 line. 855-ROSE-123. Or visit my website, LarryRosenthal.com. We'll be back next Saturday with another session of your Making Money Sense, The Larry Rosenthal Show. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.